0: Well, this is Pastor Miles and Pastor Mark, and we are here to answer the deep theological questions of life that were texted in after you preached a message on Sunday, Pastor Mark. So um, we got back to Second Timothy this last week because we were in Second Timothy before the holidays and before the new year. And uh, so we're coming back because we're going to finish up Second Timothy. And you taught on the passage in Second Timothy chapter 2. Which was a, I left you with the challenging passage.
1: (laughs) Mm. I did that on purpose. I I know. I I saw the look on your face when you were leaving the door.
0: I didn't want to preach it,
1: I just figured you could preach it. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I heard a bus, I smelled diesel. And I left. And it backed over me. Yeah, it was good. It was good.
0: (laughs) Did I throw you under the the theological bus, the teaching bus? Actually, you
1: know, actually, it was really cool. Because as as I, you know, you you teach through a passage, right? And then you go back to it. And and like a big revelation for me is, you know, you came up with the theme going through here, last Last words. Last words, yeah. And you don't really think about, you can think about these as letters. And you don't really put Paul in the perspective at the time. Like where he was. These are his last words.
0: Yeah, you know, in the very last chapter of the book, Second Timothy, he's going to tell Timothy a series of things. Hey, bring the parchments, bring that cloak that I really like to me. We don't know if Timothy ever got. It to was
1: them. a North Face that jacket. I'm it pretty had to sure be a North Face. Absolutely. It
0: might have been a Patagonia. He's pretty close to he. Yeah. You don't just leave those things hanging around. They're expensive. Absolutely. But um, we don't know whether or not Timothy ever got to Paul. We know the letter probably got to Timothy, but we don't know if Timothy ever got to Paul before Timothy was, uh, or before Paul was beheaded for his faith. So
1: yeah, these are his last words. This is his last letter. At least that's what tradition holds. Well, I think for, it just, there's a lot of intensity in this. Like you're thinking about, you know, last words, you're thinking about this and like we have a young pastor on staff, Garrett. And and we, I. I once was a young pastor on staff. I know. I remember when I was the youngest guy. Yeah. Not anymore. Man, oh man. Anyways, you were saying? But no, just having a young pastor on staff and it's like, hey, if I had, you know, a day or two weeks to live, what would I tell him? Mm. And what would be, you know, this is important. This isn't important. Tell those guys to stop being wicked and shut their mouths. Paul, yeah, that's, what, yeah. We're get, that's yeah. what we're getting into we, this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. So Should it, be fun. It's good. So um, for, I've got burning questions. Minneapolis, <laughs> maybe on the coldest day in recorded history. In a long time, 40 years, I think. They
0: Southern said. California guy. Yeah, Garrett and I, we made it back. Everybody was, like, worried that we were going to die in the cold or something. I kept getting these text messages and messages on Facebook and Instagram, and people were, like, afraid. We were fine. We stayed inside. We, we watched the cold from, from inside. A couple times we went outside, and it was cold. My nose hairs, I have some of those, they froze in my nose, like, instantly, <laughs> which is a weird sensation. People talked about it, you know, that it would happen. I went outside because I wanted to see what that would be like. It's like having little sticks in your nose. Did it you hurt. stick your tongue on a pole? No, no. I was tempted. I didn't do that. I remember <laughs> Flick. Was it Flick? Yeah, Flick. flick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, put his, he put his tongue on the pole in the movie. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to get out more and watch uh, A Christmas Story. A major award. A major award. It was a good movie. So you taught on 2 Timothy chapter 2, which was a, uh, a challenging passage, as I said. And we got a few questions texted in, which is good. Um, one of them says, Pastor Mark, you said God gave, a, gave him speaking of Paul, a new name, Paul, at the 930 service.
1: (laughs) Is there a biblical reference for this? Okay. No. No. Absolutely not. There's not. Total fiction, totally led you astray. No. So it's inferred, and I think, you know, Miles, there's a couple other, you can chime in here, but there's a couple other instances we know uh, biblically where God specifically it calls it, gives somebody a new name. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, yes, the text does say in the book of Acts that Saul, who is also called Paul. Um, some people say that, um, you know, Saul is a Hebrew name. Paul is more of a Greek name. And as Paul went out into Greek world, yeah, I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he just went by Paul when he was among the Greeks. We don't really have any indi- indication of that. But at some point, he no longer goes by Saul in the book of Acts. And he's referred to as Paul in the book of Acts. So it doesn't necessarily say that God changed his name.
1: Right. And, and, you know, in pastoral teaching, when you're trying to give an overview of something that is going on and you're trying to do it in a story type format, yes, he did not specifically say, say that God gave him a new name, but God gave him a new life and a new mission. And a part of that mission, and it's a little bit like the naming of a church, uh, it identifies yeah. with what your mission is. And like we see in, in, with Peter, Uh, that little rock that God was going to build his church on. We saw that there was a name change there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because his
0: original name was Simon.
1: Right, and it's inferred. So, like, I'm an old Sunday school teacher, so, you know, we would do the happy face with Paul and the sad face with Saul... And how he was mean and grumpy when he was Saul, and how he was happy, and we said, you know, God did that work in him. So, yeah, and and that's not really wasn't really the point of the teaching, but it's a good question. I'm glad, you know, a very Brazilian yeah. I mean, this thing. is this is
0: someone wanting to be in line with Scripture, and absolutely, there is no scriptural reference where it says that God changed Saul's name to Paul. Though there there are some occasions in the Old Testament where God changes people's names on purpose. Mm-hmm. Abraham was originally called Abram, which means father of many, and then later on, God changes his name to abraham which means father of many nations his wife's name was sarai god changes her name to sarah uh then you see jacob jacob's probably the most interesting one his name is jacob that's his given name Mm -hmm. and it's given because when he was born he's a twin and his twin brother was born before him the heel catcher and he was holding on to his brother's heel coming out of the womb there and so they called him jacob which means heel catcher which could also mean surplanter or kind of you know not a very righteous guy did some not very cool things and we clearly see that in his life so in the scriptures a name is oftentimes indicative of a person's nature so you see jacob is kind of a heel catcher in his life and then god later on changes his name to israel israel means prince of god or governed by god so uh so there's a change name that indicates his his nature changed god changed his nature so we have those old testament references you mentioned simon his name being changed to peter um, so, and then Paul, he was Saul. Now it is kind of interesting. You may not know this, but the word Saul or the name Saul means the one who is desired and Paul means little. Ooh. So that's kind of interesting. You see a change and, you know, and you can kind of see this in Paul's life when he was, uh, living as a righteous Pharisee, Philippians chapter three, he talks about his creds, his credentials. Well, and, and then
1: uh, back in Samuel,
0: yeah. uh, when we have Saul, Right, the king that was the desired.
1: Yeah, the people's choice. So He wow. would have
0: been, yeah. So yeah, Saul means one who is desired and Paul means little. And so there's kind of an interesting change there. Um, it's also kind of interesting when, um, when Paul, he starts to go by the name Paul on that on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. So Saul and Barnabas go out to go bring the gospel to people, which is awesome. And they are on the island of Crete, and while they're on the island of Crete, one of the people that's one of the first converts is a guy who is a political leader on Crete and hmm. his name is Sergius Paulus, which is the Greek Paul. And, uh, and so right after that, Paul starts going by Paul. Who knows? I don't know that maybe there's a, maybe he met Sergius Paulus and he adopted his name. I have no idea. I know one thing. Hmm.
1: One day we will get the straight scoop.
0: We're gonna find out someday. We will know. Yeah. We will know
1: as will some of our people. Whatever the case, Saul and Paul,
0: good names. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, another question. Haven't there been lots of people who have died for lies, either from insanity or religious fervor, jihadists, Uh, they said Haley's Comet people, I think that's probably the hale people back in, you remember that? That was right here in our the Heaven's our Gate, that's Heaven's in gate. our hometown. They died for a, law, a lie. Um, how is martyrdom of the disciples different from an outsider's perspective? So someone who's not a Christian looking at martyrs who die for their faith in Christ, they would assume that they die for a lie. Kind of like we look at these other people, they die for a lie. So you, you mentioned something in your message. I did listen to it. Oh, cool. I listened to it Sunday night right after you gave it. It was good. Garrett and I, we were in Minneapolis freezing and we listened to the message. But you mentioned... You made a comment that people don't die for life. So this is where this question is.
1: Right, and I think we need to frame that in context. So for at that time, and, and there's a difference between a martyr that dies being told to deny their faith um, that they can just make this all a go away if they'll just give up this testimony mm-hmm. uh, that what they're doing is right. And in this particular instance with the stoning of Stephen, his testimony is, um, is, is powerful because mm-hmm. he's literally being stoned after giving a testimony uh, of Jesus and the history of Israel, really, and how they stoned the prophets and Jesus of Nazareth, whom you, you killed. And so um, they drag him out into the streets for some frontier justice there, street justice, as we'll call it. And um, instead of denying the faith, realizing he's going to die in a very painful way, a very public way, he looks to the heavens and it, it, he sees Jesus there. And I believe this is what Acts chapter 7, if I'm recalling yep. correctly. Acts 6 and 7. Yes. And he, and he calls out and he even in the message of the cross says, don't charge the sin against them. Like forgiveness right there. Mm-hmm. And so the testimony of that is he believes this. He's right. all in. Right. That's a lot different than somebody in, um, if we look at history, uh, kamikaze pilots, I mm-hmm. mean, they had a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably believed that to be true, but we also know in history, it also shows us that they were drugged uh, many times. Uh, they weren't in their right mind. That's a different thing. Uh, we also know that for the Heaven's Gate people, it's definitely it wasn't a lie probably as they were concerned and what they believed, so maybe it's better to said believe to be a lie. Uh huh. Um, but like um, if we think of a suicide bomber like today we witness unfortunately, um, that's a whole other thing. It's right. not, they're not giving faith, I mean, they're not in, being. In
0: essence, they are dying for a lie. But I think Correct. what your reference that you're making, so the thing that comes to my mind is Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is, is rehearsing the gospel again mm-hmm. to people. And he says in that passage of scripture, you know, this is the gospel of your salvation. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was Mm -hmm. buried. He rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And he was seen by witnesses. And he goes through this list. So he says he was seen by Peter. He was seen by the 12. After that, he was seen by above 500 brethren at once. So 500 people saw the risen Jesus. And many of these people went to their death as martyrs. They were... Some of them were thrown to beasts, some of them were crucified, some of them were hung, some of them were beheaded, and they were given the opportunity to recant and to say, okay, we just made that thing up. And none of them did because they weren't lying about Christ.
1: They died for something that they knew to be true. He was alive. Right. And I think if I was to to take more time to unpack that, I would say people typically, they would not die for something they believed to be a lie. Uh, right. Also, in our modern yeah, if we're getting modern with this. If
0: they had all agreed together, hey, let's pretend that Jesus rose from the dead, and uh, but he didn't really. Someone's gonna break. Oh yeah, I'm out. Yeah, this is. I didn't know I have to pay for this with like real. Blood right. They're sweat not gonna. They're years, not gonna yeah. go to a horrendous death, and not just their own death, but many of these people, they had their loved ones, their kids, their spouses killed, tortured
1: in front of them, and they didn't. They didn't recant. What they believe. Well, I think that was a powerful testimony you gave me today, uh, as we were going on a hospital visit about that um, that guy overseas. Uh, You want to? Right. We were.
0: So Garrett and I were at this conference this last week, and one of the guys who shared at the conference is a missionary who is uh, he's a he's pastoring a church. You know, this is a guy who, by modern American standards, should be living a a real restful retirement. He's in his late sixties. He and his wife are pastoring a a church in northern Iraq. So his neighbors are Syria, Turkey, Iran, and he lives in Iraq, not the best neighborhood. And he was talking about this woman.
1: It's like the Detroit of the Middle East, (laughs)
0: let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, kind (laughs) of, whoo. So uh, they had this woman who came to faith, um, Iraqi woman out of Islam, came to faith. Her husband is a nominal Muslim. And she wanted to be baptized, which they do these baptisms in secret. You know, it's not like they can publicly have an at the beach or at the river baptism like we do here. So she's secretly being baptized and her husband who's a Muslim comes to the baptism and watches this and he's really taken by this whole thing because the Christians showed him such love. And uh, so the guy, he speaks a different language. They are sharing with the people of the baptism. Don't go telling people about this. This is secret, this baptism well he was so amazed by it he goes back to his his home and tells his cousins about his wife and this church and these christians and they they put a death threat on him they put a, a price on his head to have him and his wife killed and they've they've run they're on the run they are now living in hiding in a refugee camp he's lost his job he's lost his home he's lost his family and so now this guy who is has been a nominal muslim he the the missionary he was sharing he was saying you would expect this guy would hate us because he's lost everything for for the cause of Christ. And yet he's becoming a Christian. He's putting his faith in Jesus. And he and his wife were sending a text message from the refugee camp that they're hiding in while we're at this conference, sending a text message to the pastor saying, we're praying for you and the pastors at this conference. So I mean, amazing. But yeah,
1: their lives are on the line. That's legit. Yeah. That's the real deal. And if you think like for a moment that Christianity is losing, it's
0: not. It's you know, not here no. in America where
1: we have everything. Yeah, we were you know.
0: just talking as a staff. We had staff yeah. prayer and talking
1: about the gates of hell will not pr- uh, prevail against the church. Yeah. yeah. And that's not a, uh, you know, a defensive statement. That's an offensive statement that even the gates of hell are not going to keep out the good news, the right. gospel, the saving message of Jesus, Jesus Christ. So uh, that's good news. That and and good you know what? News. This guy's like a modern day Paul. Think about that. This guy's given it all up just like Paul has. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah.
0: You know, I was at another conference. This is a number of years ago. It was actually the same conference at a different time. There was a guy who was sharing at a certain point. He's also, uh, he works for Robbie Zacharias's uh, apologetics ministry. And at a certain point, he told them to turn off the recording. So we we can't even listen to this day, even though these messages are normally put online, turned off the recording. And he's talking about how he, as a result of his ministry, is doing some ministry in Pakistan. This is a number of years ago. And uh, the place that they were doing ministry is in a place that we now know, called Abbottabad, Pakistan, which is the place where Osama bin Laden was taken down. And so this guy is ministering in Abbottabad, Pakistan. They're sharing the gospel with people, and um, terrorists, like legitimate terrorists from Osama bin Laden's group were coming to faith. And he was talking about how, listen, these guys were willing to give their lives for a lie, for Islam, as radical Islamic terrorists. And he made the comment that when a radical Islamic terrorist becomes a bloodbought Christian, you know, Christ died for their sins, they put their faith in Jesus. These are the most amazing church-planting missionaries you can imagine because they are willing
1: to go anywhere to bring the gospel. They are, they're ready to go. So when the guy at Trader Joe's asked them, hey, what are you doing this weekend? They're okay saying they're going to church, is what you're saying? Yeah. They're not ashamed of the gospel. And willing
0: to take the gospel into places that, you know, many of us would be fearful to even show up. So, pretty amazing. God bless them. Amen. Awesome. God's doing some amazing things in other parts of the world, especially places where um, Islam has been the dominant force
1: and religion for many hundreds of years. Isn't it interesting how you've even seen in the church community you know, um, that just the things we see on the news and things like that would lead us to a point as Christians, if we're not really careful, to not have a heart for those that are of the Arabic-speaking nations um, those that we label as terrorists and, or backward or mm-hmm. you know, radicalized Muslims, and to think that we would give up on that and think that the gospel is not gonna go into those places and change people's hearts. And it might be one of the most fruitful places of ministry on the planet right now. Right. I, I mean, mean, the, the
0: gospel, it, the church is growing the fastest in some of these places where it's the hardest to be a Christian. I mean, we all know from what we've seen in reports for the last you know, 40, 50 years, the church in China, when all the missionaries, Western missionaries were kicked out under Mao in the 1950s, the the church in China, I I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like, it was estimated at being like a million people then. Now the church in China is bigger than the church in America. There are hundreds of millions of people who are Christians in China, and it's been under severe persecution, and God is doing work because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So it's awesome to see what's happening around the world we had another question this last Sunday. God cannot be around sin and imperfections. How did Lucifer appear in the meeting with God in Job? So this is a reference to Job chapter one, Job chapter two. There's a, a story there about the uh, angels appearing before God and, and, you know, Satan comes and appears before God and God has this conversation with him. So that's kind of where the question is coming from. I'm assuming, I don't remember exactly in your message where you may have brought this up. Maybe it's a, a it's a question that doesn't have to do with the, the message necessarily, but good question nonetheless. How can uh, God cannot be around sin and imperfections? How did Lucifer appear
1: before God in the meeting in Job? I actually uh, was making a reference uh, to the fact that we we like Adam, we we are of sin, and we because we are born of Adam, and that um, we are going through the ceremony of baptism and what that means in a beautiful ceremony. Uh, but that we need the blood of Jesus Christ, the salvation that he provides by us putting our faith and our trust in him and making him our savior to be able to be with God in eternity. And it is the only way that it will happen because we are have imperfection and sin and we have to be perfect before him. And it's not that we are perfect necessarily, but he's only seeing the sacrifice of his son. So we're, we're there. And, and I've even heard it, you know, I think, uh, pretty appropriately described as it's almost a courtroom setting where, you know, it's not held against you because of who your lawyer is. And in this point, it's Jesus. And I, I appreciate a good Jewish lawyer and that Jesus is my good Jewish lawyer. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, he's my savior. And so, uh, I was making the point that God will not have unholiness and imperfection before him to dwell in eternity. So yes, obviously, Satan was there, but he was invited or allowed to be there. He was questioning of the Lord, and um they had that address. But as far as him dwelling with imperfection and us going to be able to dwell with him in our imperfection it it ain't going to happen
0: yeah there's there's really as I'm kind of trying to pick through all the Bible verses that I know, and there's a few of them um I can't think of any verse that specifically says that God cannot come in contact with sin um the the only verse that even comes close to that is Habakkuk chapter one. Mm-hmm. Habakkuk's having a conversation with God and God informs Habakkuk about what he's going to do, which is a pretty gnarly situation. He says, Habakkuk's really upset about the moral decline of his nation in the nation of Judah, Israel. Mm-hmm. And so he calls out to God to do something. God says, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to use the Babylonians who are really bad dudes and they're going to come and destroy Israel. <laughs> and Habakkuk <laughs> gets kind of ticked. He's like, I don't like that plan. It would be as if, we prayed to God and said, God, America's in chaos and you need to do something. And he says, sounds good. I'm going to bring uh, Libya over to completely destroy you. Like, we would not like that. So, but peradventure, Lord, yeah, pretend yeah. <laughs> righteous so, men. Totally. And so Habakkuk, when he hears God's strange plan, he says to God, um, in habakkuk 1 13 you are of purer eyes than to behold evil and you cannot look on wickedness why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when wicked the wicked devours so so he's saying hold on a second you know you can't use a wicked nation like the babylonians to to judge us we're more righteous and it's like well there's a problem there you were just crying out to god on the unrighteousness of your people and now you're saying but we're not as bad as them which is typical thing. <laughs> so but it's Habakkuk's situation like God you're too pure to look upon evil. You you couldn't possibly do this whole situation. So that's more of Habakkuk saying something about God. That's probably the closest to God can't come in contact with sin. The other thing that I would think of is that um you know in the holy of holies in the temple mm-hmm. or the tabernacle originally there was the presence of God by the ark of the covenant and so they would put a veil and man could not come in contact with the holiness of God because Man cannot stand in the presence of holy God.
1: Is that the reason for the rope and the bell? Is that the...
0: Yeah, that's the, kind of the story that they would tie. Yeah, the story that they uh, would say. They would put a, some kind of clanging bell type things at the hem of the garments of the priest and put a, a rope around his leg so that they could pull him out. That's recorded. I believe in Josephus. It's not necessarily biblical. Um, but so, so, yeah, so the concept is that
1: sin cannot abide in the presence of holy God. Correct, and and we're, ta- we we're we're and we're talking about eternity in heaven. We're not talking about a two minute engagement. I mean, if you, let's just roll it back to the garden for a second, you have Adam and Eve in a perfect relationship with the Lord, and then how does that change once sin enters the picture? Well, relationship is broken. Yeah, the connection is is broken. There, there's uh, uh, there's the fall of man that starts there, and so. Uh, God's not going to abide in that relationship like that with sin in there. We also obviously see Lucifer approaching him in the, in the exchange with Job. But also if you think about it in where we are now in our covenant and our relationship with Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. Correct. Mm. But our hearts are imperfect Mm -hmm. and our bodies are imperfect. So there's always that push-pull. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul talks about doing what he doesn't want to do. But oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, um, yes, I mean, you cannot say that the Holy Spirit does not dwell in somebody because they're imperfect. So we don't want to take that teaching down the road. So never meant to anybody yeah, say well, that. and I think it's important to recognize that, yes, man is fallen and
0: in sin. That's what we read in Genesis chapter 3. And, but God desires to tabernacle with man, to be with man. But he can't abide in the presence of sin. We can't abide in his presence because he is holy. So he intends to deal with sin. That's what the whole, of the, the whole narrative arc, if you will, of the Bible is. That sin came in and God is going to deal with sin. And so God deals with sin through the sacrifice of Christ. And now we are covered in his righteousness. And as a result... Because we are in Christ, we can come before the Father in some way, someday. uh, 1 Corinthians 15, going back to that passage again, uh, we're told that this corruption will put on incorruption, and we are going to be with God in his presence, and we're going to receive a new body, and this sinful flesh will be gone. So that's something to look forward to. God's dealing with our sin, ultimately.
1: Right, and then if you look at the last verse that uh, we covered there, verse 13, it talks about God not being able to deny himself Mm. who he is because he is faithful, even if we are faithless. And so that's a hard one for people to look at, but if you, it's back in Numbers, I believe. It talks about God cannot go back on who he is, his perfection, his holiness, all those things. He can't go back on that. And, and he cannot dwell, he is not gonna dwell in eternity with imperfection.
0: And, and so he deals with our imperfection by, by taking it away. And giving us, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. That's the wonder of the the salvation that Jesus brings, and that's what that's what uh, baptism pictures. You know, we have died with Christ, and we are raised to walk in newness of life, and uh, so our sin has been dealt with. So, so now we can have in Christ, we can have full fellowship and relationship with God. So, that's good news. Uh.
1: Yeah, really good news. <laughs> yeah, that is the gospel. Super good news. Yeah,
0: that's kind of what we call, that's why we call it gospel. <laughs> oh, man. So, well, those are the questions. So any any kind of final thoughts that you have after teaching this passage on Sunday? Anything that kind of steps out to you or stands out to you that you didn't really cover, you thought would be worth sharing?
1: Well, I did have some things that, that came to mind is, you know, we look at the modern world and we, you know, unfortunately some news, you know, Will sometimes slip through the cracks to me, and I'll I'll, you know you'll see comments and things of people, and just how so many of the biblical truths that we believe that really weren't in question at one time Mm. um, are in question. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, we talked about that, and I alluded to them a little bit. Is the fact that there's certain things that we believe that are just Bible, just basic Bible basics. Um, God created man and woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, the the issue of gender. The issue of gender. Um, sin mm-hmm. and and, and um, the fact that there's only one way to attain salvation and that is through Jesus Christ. Those are three things that we believe that are biblically accurate that are plainly stated that right now in our culture are under fire and man, I'm a bigot. yeah, I'm narrow-minded. If you, yeah if you believe that there's only one
0: way to God, if you believe that God created gender, male and female, um, then yeah, you are you are in the area of the culture a- according to a very vocal, loud minority. minority really, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You are viewed as being outside of well, you're outside of their values, which is fine. They're outside of our values. Um, I- I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm a fat white guy with a job, so I mean, I'm 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 the devil already. You know, you know? The, the most interesting thing about this though is that um, what we are told by our culture all the time is that we need to be able to coexist with other people of different views of different values and those sort of things and um and i would say that christians in a lot of ways especially over the last couple and a half decades have done a pretty good job of being willing to coexist with people who are outside of their moral position the interesting thing is is they're not very tolerant of our position, so we're being told that we need to be tolerant. Okay, hey, we we tolerate the realities of a of the different worldview and value, but they they don't seem to be sometimes interested in tolerating a different view.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of uh, weren't so good at this during the Crusades. It was kind of a rough start. Our tolerance, you know, I mean, those were really, we in a holy war anyway. But but I mean, yeah, I think people try to drag us into something that was done so many years ago, the attitude and there is no tolerance for... Yeah,
0: not everything done in the name of the church is actually very Christian.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, there's a lot of things that that have been perpetuated that uh, they're really not in the Bible at all. So uh, that's one of the, you know, we were just talking about the Middle East is um, we don't have to hurt anybody or blow anybody up or do harm to anybody to attain salvation. Uh, It's not about our death, but this is about Christ's death and resurrection. So, Mm -hmm.
0: man, I like it way better that way. So we have another challenging passage of scripture to go into this weekend. I noticed that originally, uh, I I thought you were gonna go through the end of the chapter and make it easy on me, but you left me with this passage and verses 14 and on that are also kind of challenging, so it should be kind of fun. Talking about charging people in the church to not strive about words to no profit, um, to shun profane and idle babblings, and these kind of false teachings that spread like a cancer. So yeah, should be an interesting passage.
1: Man, I well, I don't want you know, I don't want you to be the only guy who you know everybody loves and you get to talk about all the great stuff and this and that. I gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta see some meat on that. You know, that's that's good. So. I'll see what I can do. Do, Now, are we going to get a current events part of this uh, whole thing or no? Because who was that congresswoman the other day that was uh, talking? Oh, gosh. She's new. She's really mouthy. Do we really want to get into political things? No, it's not political. It's Uh something she said that really resonated with me about popular opinion should be what shapes morality. What was that quote? Oh, I think I sent it to you. Let me see if it I was can find it. Kinda scary that some of the things that are going on out there, some of the quotes. I do remember and now I gotta And I think it was something like, uh, you know, morality if I can find it. should be shaped and the law should be shaped by popular opinion or culture.
0: Hmm. I do remember it, but I don't I wanna get it I wanna get it exact. I don't blame you. If I'm gonna, you know,
1: i got to scroll through a whole bunch of text messages here to find Man, you're it. a texting machine, aren't you? What's the way we communicate. Yeah. It, it, yeah, true communication. Because you know what? You, you, if you don't want to talk to the person, you just don't answer the text.
0: I, I don't do that. Often.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm having a hard time finding the message. That's
1: okay. We no, can, no, hold on, hold on. on. I, I'm I love
0: zeroing in. Oh, I just passed your, your picture of you going to IHOP this last weekend.
1: You know what? That was so, so... So far, the senior citizen thing is working out good for me. Yeah, you know, being a you're senior just citizen, a few days into
0: being a senior citizen.
1: 55, 55. But I'll tell you one thing that is a cruel hoax and it's just plain wrong hmm. is, okay, I went into IHOP, International House of Old People, and I'm going, my first meal is a senior citizen, and I bust out the senior menu thinking foolishly that I was going to get a meal and it was going to be cheaper and there was something special but it's cheaper I mean, because there's no food. I mean, I'm a high performance machine. You require more calories than that. Absolutely. I mean, one egg and a pancake, that's a breakfast. More octane. No, that 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 was that was cruel. I was I felt like I was profiled or dissed or one of those modern things. It it, it was it was horrible. So Truth be told, I had the corned beef hash, which was actually really good, over hash browns with an egg, you know, the light eater's plate. And then my wife, you know, couldn't finish her stack of five pancakes, so I ate like three and a half of those. And then I was so happy it was my birthday, I may or may not have eaten another one of those brioche French toasts. Mm. And I, I didn't feel like hopping out of there. You're making me hungry. I felt like I needed a wheelchair. And then I had a big plan to go to Denny's because you get a free meal there on your birthday. On your birthday? On your so birthday. So you were going to double dose it? I go all the way. I mean, I was. you're only going to be 55 once, right? True. And I, I couldn't move. It Bummer. Was, yeah. So, But I took a nap. And you know, the other thing is, is I missed it because I went at about two o'clock and evidently the dinner rush was already over and I was the youngest guy in the whole, or excuse me, the oldest guy in the whole place. Well, you are a senior citizen now. I know, I know. So I'm not picking out a walker yet, but I'm definitely, I'm going to have a cool one.
0: Well, I'm deeply grieved. I, I can't seem to find that quote, um, but you are correct. It was a quote from a new congresswoman from New York, and she was saying that basically, uh, the test of our morality is public opinion, is basically what she was saying, which is kind of freaky because, you know, it was back not too long ago, not even 100 years ago, that there was the public opinion in the nation of Germany that a certain group of people were not uh, not basically people. So that was public opinion. So I guess that kind of didn't work out so well.
1: That's, That's dangerous thinking. Dangerous thinking. thinking.
0: Dangerous thinking. Well, it comes down to uh, we, we are living in a culture in a time where everybody talks about your truth, like your own personal truth. And uh, it seems like your own personal truth gets to uh, put at the sideline any sort of truth that that person does not agree with. So it's like there's no such thing as objective truth. But of course, Christians, we believe that there is an objective truth and there is an objective morality that was set in place by God who establishes a true right and wrong. So um, that that among a certain group of people in our culture, not just in the United States, but in in Western culture is seen as a narrow view that um, that there is an objective truth and an objective morality.
1: I think I'm going to try that out when I go home today. I'm gonna jump in the car, uh-huh. and I'm gonna, all the all the red lights to mean Yes, go go to me, and right. I'm just gonna roll with it. You're living by your truth, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I drive like a Pentecostal anyway. Because morality is subjective, right? But I mean, I, I drive like a Pentecostal. got the spirit of darkness is behind okay, me. After you do that, yeah. I want you to go also uh,
0: up on top of, uh, you know palomar medical center it's probably the highest building in our area and just see is that the the one that's got the
1: tree of gondor on it that one right
0: the objectiveness of see if if gravity is objective
1: there you go folks he told me to jump off a building that's no don't do that (laughs) no no no. i didn't mean no i I wanted you to test the theory of gravity yeah it's not a theory of gravity it's the law of gravity
0: Mm -hmm. we haven't been able to overcome that one yet yeah well it's very narrow-minded we're able to supersede it by the law of aerodynamics Ooh. Well, anyway, now we're getting off in the tall grass. Maybe this would be shun profane and idle babblings. Nah, nah, nah. Mocking, That's what we'll talk about mocking, and
1: scoffing, perhaps.
0: Yes, we we were once labeled mocker and scoffer, a mm-hmm. title we wear proudly. Yes. Well, Church, I I hope this has been well. I hope it hasn't in any way decreased your faith in God. Hopefully it is helping grow your faith. So God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Adios. Peace out.